We started last week, over the past number of weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be an everyday uh, disciple. And last week we started talking about how that idea of an everyday disciple isn't just, um, um, isn't just like a you and the Lord thing. That's part of it. But also being a disciple means that we, we do that together. There's a together component, a one another component. And last week we looked at the idea of what it means to love one another. I know it's pretty, pretty broad, but it sets a foundation of having the mindset, having the heart, having the attitude of how do we love one another, not as the world loves, but how do we love one another as Christ loves, and that display and demonstration of that love. How do we have that attitude when we gather together? Not what can I get, but what can I give? What can I pour out? And so I want to continue that this morning by talking about what does it mean to honor one another. Right over the next number of weeks, I, I don't know how many, um, we're going to go through a lot of the one another's in Scripture. There's over 59, depending on the count. Some people say there's over 100. Some people say over 50. I don't know. There's a lot of one another's in Scripture. Uh, over 16 times it says love one another, but there's all sorts of other ones. Bear with one another, forgive one another, honor one another, you know, on and on down the list. And so... Uh, the Lord's really planted us here, helping us grow in this being uh, disciples together and loving one another. We're going to go through some of these one another's. And the one I, I spent on my heart this morning to share with you is this idea of honoring one another. So if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 10. All right, it's a short verse, but I don't want us to overlook what's here. Romans 12.10 says this, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. All right, repeat after me. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Let's say it one more time. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. All right, if we're going to talk about what honor is this morning, it's probably helpful to know what honor means. It's hard to honor someone if you have no idea what honor is. So here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to share what do you think it means to honor someone. Now, if you don't know them, just introduce yourself, say your name. You can talk for a brief moment, and then share with one another what do you think it means or looks like to honor someone. All right, go ahead. All right, well done, well done. 
Way to go. All right, shoot me out a couple, uh, couple examples, a couple answers. What would you say? What does it look like or what does it mean to honor someone? Respect. Respect. No judgment. Is that what you said? Revere. What was it? Loyalty. Honesty. Honest. Oh, that's good. What was it? Elevate. Value. Good. Sorry, what was that? Oh, that's good. Seize them the way God sees them. Right? Might drop, right? <laughs> All right, anyone else? Love. Esteem. Prefer. Public acknowledgement. Ooh, that's good. I like that one. You know, it's crazy. We say all these things, and it makes me wonder, how well do we actually do this with each other? Is the body of Christ known for honoring one another, for uh, elevating, for exalting, for respecting, for being loyal to, for loving, for seeing them the way God sees them? All great examples and definitions. Um, is, the, is brothers and sisters, are we known for it? Because, man, it doesn't take much to look around and see how much dishonor goes on around, right? I mean, flip on social media and right away you see dishonor. And, and I'm not, like, listen this morning, the word tells us to honor all kinds of people. I mean, honor everyone, it says. That, that means, like, everyone. And honor the emperor, honor the widows, and honor our elders, and honor our parents, all those things. This morning, I really want to focus on what does it mean to honor one another as brothers and sisters in Christ? Is the, is the family of God, what does that mean to honor one another? And, and I don't know about you, but I look around and see a world that needs so desperately to see a model of what it looks like for people to not disrespect and dishonor, but to lift up and to honor one another. So what, why do we honor one another? Or what does it look like to honor one another? I actually want to start in Ephesians today. And then we'll get back to like, we'll get back to how do we actually do this. But Ephesians chapter 1, it, it starts out, Paul's praying for the church in Ephesus, and he, he says, all right, I pray for you guys all the time because I love you, and I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we know him more. And it goes on to all these things that, we get, that get revealed to us when we know the Lord more. And so I think part of it, if we're going to honor one another, we have to first understand what honor is according to how God honors and how he honors us and how he's honored Jesus. All right, let's look at this. Ephesians 1, this is like right in the middle of a prayer. Um, it's all really good, but I want to pick it up in verse uh, 19, I think. Yes. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, that's the Father putting all things under Jesus' feet, and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, this is quite a statement. He's saying, I'm praying that you guys would know God more and know his power, that this power who raised Jesus from the dead, and not just raised Jesus from the dead. It's one thing, right, if God raised Jesus from the dead, it's the forgiveness of our sins and all that. But that's not where it stopped. 
After Jesus appeared to all these people and taught them some more, Jesus then ascended into heaven where it says, right here, it says that the Father seated Jesus in the heavenly realms at his right hand. Now, to be seated at someone's right hand is a position of honor. That's why, is it, I think it's James and John's mom asked Jesus, hey, can my boys, when the kingdom comes, can my boys sit at your right and your left? Those are positions of honor, positions of esteem, position of notoriety, positions of honor. And here it says that God the Father, when he raised Jesus from the dead, he didn't just say, hey, nice job given as a sacrifice to the sin. He raised up and elevated Jesus to the proper place that he was due at the right hand of God the Father, saying he is the one that's the name above every other names. He exalted him above every other power of spiritual power, any demonic power, any angelic power. As awesome as the angels are, Jesus exceeds them yet. He exceeded him above all of that, where he's now the head of the church, and all things are going to be in submission to King Jesus. That is the position of honor that God the Father has placed the Son. Pretty awesome, huh? That's the God we worship. We worship the one who is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms as we speak. Now, here's the problem. Jesus is placed in a position of honor. But we are born as people that do not give him the honor he deserves. He deserves to be glorified because there's none like him. Because he's perfect. He's without sin. He's holy. He's good. He's right. He's powerful. He's awe-inspiring. He's wonderful. He's splendid. He's loving. He's merciful. He's kind. He's compassionate. He deserves our worship. He deserves our lives. The problem is all of us are born without the ability to give him the glory and the due and the honor that he deserves. Problem, right? Keep reading in Ephesians chapter 2. And you, this is talking about us now, right after the part we just read at the end of Ephesians 1. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and the sins in once you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, stop. This is some heavy stuff. I think sometimes we gloss over that like, yeah, yeah, that's who we were, blah, blah, blah. Okay, this is big stuff. All of us were born with the propensity to give way to the desires of the world, which is sin. We have given up the glory of God for the glory of the created things. Not only that, we are born with this uh, um, giving ourselves to the authority, giving ourselves to the powers of the God of this age. Who is the God of this age? Satan. We are born in his dominion. We do things that please him rather than please the Lord. Not only that, we have all the sinful nature it talks about that have these passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of our mind. We have all of these things, not just that we act upon, but even the things in our mind that cause us to fall short of the glory and the honor that's worshipped to King Jesus. Not only that, because we fall short, we then are objects, as it says here in verse 4, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We don't deserve any honor from God himself. We don't, deserve, we don't deserve to be honored. We deserve the shame that we receive because we have fallen short. 
Now here's the good news of the gospel. It doesn't stop here at verse 4. While we deserve God's wrath, while we deserve God's punishment, while we deserve his dishonor, while we deserve his shame, this is what he does because of his extravagant love for us in verse 4. But God. Don't you just love it every time it says that? Like this is the truth, but God. Yes! But God. Being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. So that, in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in him. Okay, what is this saying? This is saying that while our sin causes us to deserve dishonor, causes us to deserve shame, causes us to deserve to be separated from God, out of God's extravagant riches, out of God's extravagant mercy, out of God's radical love for us, instead of letting us sit and stay in our place of dishonor, which we deserve, God raised us up in Christ and he seated us in Christ in the heavenly realms. What does that mean? That means when you come to Jesus Christ and you repent of sin and you turn away from the way of the world, it's not just that you're forgiven your sins, which you get, praise the Lord. It's not just that he takes away that shame, praise the Lord. We don't have just, uh, how do I put this? We are given a brand new life. It's not just a generic life. We're given a brand new life, but it's not our own life. It's Christ's life who lives within us. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it says, in a spiritual sense, we are united with Jesus where our spirit is clothed with Christ, seated in him in the heavenly realms. At this very moment, for those of you that profess the name of Jesus Christ, you are seated in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. You are seated in a place, in a position of honor. When the Father looks at you, he doesn't see shame. When the Father looks at you, he doesn't see condemnation. When the Father looks at you, he doesn't see the sins you committed this past week. When the Father looks at you, he doesn't look at you disgusted and be like, oh, we've been through this. How come you keep struggling with porn? When you, how come you keep struggling with gossip? How come you keep struggling with overeating? Oh, gross. When he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he says, you are my child in whom I am well pleased. He looks at you and says, you are righteous. You are holy and beloved. Not by your own work. Not by your own merit. But by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's how he sees you. He's elevated you to a position of honor. Now there's a temptation to make this all about us. But I think it's awesome that it tells us why in the world would God do this. Why would God do that with us? It says this in verse 7. He did this so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. On that day of judgment, when we stand before him and we deserve wrath, when we deserve to have all of our shame exposed, all of our dishonor placed on the table, when he says, no, 
their mind because they're clothed with the blood of Jesus Christ. They're clothed in his righteousness. When that day comes, it is a display to all of creation, the seen and the unseen, of his glorious and splendorous grace and mercy towards us. He is giving an opportunity when we don't get what we deserve on that day. It's an opportunity to display his kindness and his love in, in, in a radical way when he forgives us of our sins. Does that make sense? He's placed us in a position of honor, yes, because he loves it. But because he's honored us, it brings honor to himself. And that's what he's about. So he, here's the thing I was thinking about this week. If God has placed my brothers and sisters in a position of honor, should I not honor them as well? It's like what you said, right? To, to, Holly said this, right? To, to, to value people, to see people the way God sees people. Man, in our culture, it's really easy to see where each other falls short. Am I right? It's really easy to call that out. And I know there's sometimes this tendency that like, well, I don't want to honor them because if I honor them too much, then it really downplays where they're sinful. I don't want to like honor them too much because it downplays how they've hurt me. I don't want to speak too well of them because I don't want to negate the fact that they've kind of were a jerk to me before. But here's the thing. As we grow in Christ's likeness, as we grow in uh, God refining us from our sin, God doesn't withhold honor towards us. Am I right? I think that's where we see the Father. We're like, oh, he's, he's looking, forward, looking towards the things where we've fallen short. But I don't think God looks towards the things we fall short in, in order to shame us or to dishonor us. He speaks honor and says, you are my son. You are holy and you're beloved. Then, therefore, I think he points out our sins and say, that's why I want you to walk away from this because that's not who you are anymore. I think very much we can be honest with each other in the ways that we fall short with each other, the way we've been hurt by each other, but I think that does not negate the fact that we can still show honor and respect towards one another. I think one of the ways that we... We have a temptation to honor certain people in the church world. Let's look at it before I talk about it. 1 Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12, verse 18, it's a whole part, point about as believers, we, are made up, we make up the body of Christ with different roles. First Corinthians 12, 18, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, as it is there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, I love that, we think are less honorable, doesn't mean they are less honorable. The parts that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts, do not require. But God has so composed the body that the members may have the same care for one another. Sorry, I missed the line. But the body giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. 
that there be no, may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. See, there's this attitude even in the church where we compare ourselves to one another. And even if you stop and think about it, it's honestly kind of weird that we elevate certain gifts above the rest, even in the church. Like we give a lot of notoriety and a lot of praise to gifts of people that stand in front and teach and sing. Am I right? But we often neglect the one, like Miss Nancy here. She's like, I'm in trouble, right? Right? The one who for eight years has stood in that cafe and made coffee every Sunday. And it's not even about the coffee. But who gives, when Dave lets you give the coffee, make the coffee, right? When you stand and you give a smile to everyone who walks by that back door and welcomes them and be as a grandma to somebody else who need a grandma. Right? We like to give notoriety to the gifts that are so public. And we downplay the gifts that are so private. But what the word says here is that those gifts that are private deserve even more honor. Now there's a temptation, right, where we think of someone... Someone's public or someone's getting a lot of praise. There's not the, we don't need to go the other side and knock them all down like, oh, Britain, you suck, whatever that may be, right? <laughs> I mean, you can, that's fine. Um, but the way that we, we fix this isn't by showing less honor to people, it's that we outdo one another in showing honor to each other. So that less in the back right there, way in the back, who's maybe not even listening, who for... For nine years, every Sunday, I can count on one hand how many Sundays he's missed, goes to the mission with a van over and over to pick up people and give them a ride without a single thank you, right? I don't know what part of the body he is, but it's a vital one, right? Everyone's like, please don't look at me, right? Yeah, right? Zach and Jordan. The way you two come here so early and love your kids so well and make a lot of us feel so welcome and excited to be here because you guys are excited and your kids are excited to be here. We honor you. We say thank you for that. That's so rad. We love that, right? <laughs> and like Nick, right? <laughs> Sorry. I just looked over. Like, you, you're so, you're so admir, admirable for a lot of us because you're just so steadfast in your walk with the Lord. You're such a rock for your wife. A lot of times, some of us can be up and down, and you're just, boop, steadfast as can be, bro. I love that. So honorable, right? I could go on and on. makes me wonder how much we speak honorably not only to people's faces but when people aren't around right when you're at work you're at school and they're talking about a brother and sister it's so easy to be like yeah i know they are super annoying right or yeah you know what they did this to me but we have an opportunity in those moments to outdo people in showing honor and say yeah yeah whatever but i'll tell you what i appreciate this about them and immediately turn the conversation
What's been on my heart a lot this last number of weeks is the unity in the body of Christ, specifically the unity of the church in our city. And it makes me wonder how honorably we speak about other churches. Right? I'll tell you what. There are some sweet churches in this city. You know what? And Getty, the thing I love about those guys is they have such a heart for our city that is inspiring to see their love for our city. Pillar, man. You know what I get inspired by? Is their love for the word. Those guys just love the word. Ridgepoint. We have a lot to thank for Ridgepoint. They're just so generous. They gave us this thinking building, for goodness sakes, right? Talk about generosity. But those dudes and women over there, they love the lost. They will do anything to lost, see lost people come to know Jesus Christ. Honestly, that is inspiring to see. Think about Mabel Ave down the street of just their place in being a prophetic voice and talking about things that are hard sometimes for a culture in West Michigan to have conversations about. They have no fear. Man, that's so awesome. Think about Central Westland down the road and their heart for worship and how they just, just, just want to give their whole heart, their whole lives in worship to the Lord. Even so, they, they, they write songs all the time, their own songs of worship because they want to kind of come from themselves to the Lord as a reflection back to Him, the glory that He's due. Like Lake, Lakeshore Vineyard, their love to, their, their desire to love people well through walking in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To walk through difficulty with them through the thick and the thin. I might could go literally on and on and on, church by church by church. But we have an obligation, I think, as the body of Christ to remember that we all play different parts and we're all different parts of the body and we submit to the same head and his name is Jesus. Right? I think any time that we get off and get a little sidetracked and a little sideways is because we're trying to be the head and we want the notoriety, we want the praise, we want the accolades that's due for the head. That's not our job. He deserves the praise and the glory and the honor. But because of his great mercy, he seated us with him into a position of honor. And it says here, I, I love this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? It's like, <laughs> I don't know, in our culture, we get so weird about this, right? We want to like preface all of our, I, I don't say this to contempt you, okay? Just chill, just chill, all right? But a lot of times we want to preface our, um, our honoring of each other, right? So it's like, Kelsey, I know it's not you, it's the Lord, and I don't want to boast too much, but you know what I'm saying, right? Okay, you're a great singer. Thanks for leading us in worship, right? Listen, we know it's God's grace that's given her the ability. I think we can just boldly proclaim what we see God doing. Boldly say what we see God doing. Man, you, are lo- you love Jesus like crazy, and when you worship, it makes me love Jesus more. It gives you the freedom to dance. It makes me not feel not so weird dancing in the front here. Why do you think I sit in the front row? Not because it's a position of honor. It's because I have all the free reign to do my dancing, right? So let's... <laughs> I think sometimes on the flip side, however, we, we have a hard time receiving that as well. Right? No, it's not me. Yeah, we know it's not you. We know it's the Spirit of God within you. Like, Ron, I don't know how you love... I mean, Ron loves... More than, more than I know most people love. I, I, he loves people in situations. I don't know how he does it. But for me to say, Ron, you love people so well that's inspiring to all of us. 
You don't need to say, well, it's not me. I know it's not. It's the Christ that dwells within you. But when we affirm and, and honor one another, what it should happen is what we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it says, right, in verse 26, when one member is honored, we all rejoice together. It's not like there's a limited amount of honor to go around. It's like, well, I've only got so much. If I give it to Lisa up there, then I, I, can't, I can't give it, I can't give it to uh, Shiner in the back, right? Nonsense. There is unlimited honor to go around. And we get to outdo one another in honor, not to boast in each other's gifts. But when we honor one another, it should cause us to give praise and adoration and glory to Jesus. Because when I'm reminded of what God's doing in your life, I'm like, oh, yes, I know, it's awesome. Like Maria, right? Maria, when you, when you continue to come up and always say, how do I walk in obedience to this? How do I live this out? Do you know what encouragement that is to me? Because you're not just taking in knowledge, you're seeking to walk it out in obedience. That is so awesome. And what it does is it causes me to praise the Lord because I know your story and I know what God's done in your life, right? I know what you've come from and it's not because, well, I'm trying really hard to be obedient. Aren't I awesome? Aren't my gifts amazing? Nonsense. I look at you and when I see what God's doing in you, I celebrate God's grace and God's mercy because the grace he's extended to you is the same grace he wants to extend to all of us. Right? Causes praise. It's not that bad getting honored, right? <laughs> right? I, I think about the story in Acts 4 where there's this dude named Joseph who is so good at encouraging people. He was so good at helping people in need that um, they cha- the apostles changed his name. They stopped calling him Joseph and they called him, um, starts to be, hang on, Barnabas. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They call them Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Like that's a position of honor. They don't qualify and say, don't get boastful. They say, wow, I see God's grace in you. Wow, you are such an encourager. Thank you. You're edifying and building us up. Man, you love us so well, we're going to change your name and call you Barnabas. What if that's the kind of honor that we show one another? We find the weak. We find those that are, that are quiet, and we begin to call out and affirm those gifts in one another. Like Aaron up there. I know, sorry. Like, you are such a loyal friend. You are such a loyal friend. You're a good friend. And you inspire me to be a better friend. You inspire a lot of us to be better friends. Sorry, I'll stop looking at you. But... uh, I just can't look at any of you anymore. This is my problem. (laughs) Right? You know, it's amazing. When When I honor people, I don't see them as using that as a license for sin. When we honor each other, I often don't see it as a license to just walk in boastfulness. When I see people being honored, I see people wanting to live into the identity that Jesus has purchased for them, walking in greater holiness, walking in greater purity, walking in greater honor to the Lord. We have tons of dishonor that goes on in our culture. Tons. Our our world doesn't need any more dishonor. We get to display what love looks like in the way of honor and it's true there's days we don't think the people around us deserve that honor but praise the lord we didn't deserve that honor from the lord either when he gave it to us so let's be people that honor 
um, one another. Okay. He, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. So if you're like me this week, the Lord, in his kindness, pointed out all the ways that I've been dishonoring towards people lately. Again, not to put shame on me and not to dishonor me, but because that's not who he's called me to be. That's who I once was, but that's not who I am anymore. And so I'm going to give you a minute here just to pause and think about, does the Holy Spirit bring to mind? You don't need to like search yourself. Nonsense. The Holy Spirit will search you, right? Let him search your heart. And just see if there's any way in you that you've walked in dishonor towards people. And if that's the case, he's given you a gift by pointing that out of repentance. By saying, oh, God, I'm sorry for that. I'm turning away from that. Asking for forgiveness and then choosing to honor that person. That may mean for some of you, you need to, when we're doing communion here in a little bit, that may mean for you, you need to go grab someone and apologize to them. That means you may need to go make something right. That just may mean in your heart that you need to ask for forgiveness for the Lord and change your, have him change your heart towards someone. Okay, let's just do that. Just close your eyes for a minute. We'll be silent before the Lord God. I ask that you would show us any way in us that we've been, we've been dishonoring towards people, towards brothers and sisters, any ways that we need to step into being more honoring towards our brothers and sisters. God, I thank you that you point these things out so we can walk in greater holiness. We can walk in greater Christ-likeness. We can walk in greater freedom, God, in a way that honors you more. So God, I ask that you be specific and point out areas that we've been dishonoring and that you want us to repent. God, I thank you that while we were far from you and undeserving of any honor, you bestowed it upon us. While we had no ability to do the right things to get back to a position of honor with you, you did it for us in Jesus. We thank you for the truth that we right now as brothers and sisters are seated at the right hand in the heavenly realm. God, for those that are struggling to receive your honor this morning because of shame and condemnation from sin, God, I pray that they would turn to you and receive the forgiveness and the new life that is in you, Jesus. For those that have professed you as, as Lord but are still uh, wanting to keep shame and condemnation on themselves, God, I pray that they would look to you and see that they are made new in you, Jesus, that you've washed them white as snow. 
for those that want to disqualify themselves from any position of honor, we say, thank you, Lord. None of us deserve a position of honor, but you bestow it upon us out of your great love and mercy for us. So God, we thank you. God, we pray that you would empower us to be people that honor one another and that we would seek to outdo one another in honor, that we would be known as a people that are known not just for loving you, but for loving each other and honoring each other well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come forward. And um, as the band comes forward, we are going to, um, we're going to take communion together. So part of taking communion together, right, is before we do so, it's examining our hearts. And so we've taken some time to do that. Daniel's going to introduce us to communion and how that's going to work today. But I encourage you, if there's other things the Lord's doing in your heart, the other things that the Lord needs to address, I encourage you to do that before you come and take uh, communion together. And may communion today be a reminder that while we are far from him deserving dishonor, God sent his son Jesus to pour out his honor upon us. He's so awesome.